Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Previously, we examined the Battle of Badr and the aftermath of the battle. Let's briefly discuss the implications of this battle and why this was such a decisive victory for the Muslims. The Battle of Badr was extremely instrumental in making it clear to the Arabian Peninsula that this Prophet and his followers are not to be disregarded because many tribes they saw this man with those early Muslims as a cult-like figure, they're weak, they don't have any political backing from anyone, so nobody really took them seriously. After the Battle of Badr, that changed. It was a turning point in the religion of Islam, where other tribes in Arabia started to think, wait a minute, Muslims are now a political force in Arabia. They were able to defeat the Quraysh of Mecca, even though their numbers were one-third the numbers of Quraysh. So that really gave a lot of prominence in a lot of prominence to uh, the Muslims. Now after the Battle of Badr, two figures became very prominent. Obviously the first one is Prophet Muhammad Tribes began to respect him and take him more seriously. Number two, guess who else became very prominent? He's an enemy of the Prophet, but he, all the spotlight went on him, Abu Sufyan. See, when the leaders of Quraysh died at Badr. That paved the room for Abu Sufyan to be the de facto ruler of Mecca. When Utbah, Shayba, and these others were present, Abu Sufyan wasn't really that important. But now that they got killed at the Battle of Badr, Abu Sufyan became the most influential figure in Mecca. And so we really see Abu Sufyan rise in influence after the Battle of Badr. Because the big guys, the big dogs in Mecca were killed at the Battle of Bad. That paved the way for Abu Sufyan to exercise his control and his dominance. Now Abdullah ibn Ubay, you remember him? The leader of the hypocrites in Medina, who wanted to be the leader of Medina, but then the Prophet came and that disturbed him. Abdullah ibn Ubay, after Badr, he gave up. Because he realized he's no match for the Prophet. Up until Bad, he had hopes of probably conspiring with other tribes to get the Prophet out of Medina so he can assert himself. But after bed, he's like, no, I'm no match for him. So he was pretty much out of the picture. The Prophet and the Muslims, they rose to power. Now people started respecting them. And by the way, many tribes after bed started joining Islam because they realized this is a serious religion. God really supported them. And that was really a turning point. Up until Badr, not many people were interested in joining Islam. After Badr, when they saw the conviction and the power of Muslims, this really changed everything. So these were some important implications. The third person who rose to amazing influence was who? Imam, Imam Ali Everyone knew Imam Ali was very close to the Prophet. There was no doubt about that. His sacrifices, the night of Hijrah, how he slept in the Prophet's bed, this was known to everyone. But at the Battle of Badr, Imam Ali demonstrated to the Arabian Peninsula 
his advanced warrior skills. Up until, up until that point, people had not witnessed Imam Ali in battle, taking on the fiercest fighters in his era. At the Battle of Badr, he killed 35 enemies. 35, remember all the, the casualties of the pagans were 70. And they considered that a big toll. Half of them died at the, at the hand of Imam Ali This really gave a lot of significance to Imam Ali. So other Muslims and even the enemies, the Meccans, that's when they really started to hate Imam Ali because they're like, you know what? It's through your sword that God gave victory to this religion. So some companions, they started to grow jealous of Imam Ali because now he got the spotlight after bed. And the enemies of the Prophet started to hate Imam Ali because they realized that Ali is this you know, deciding factor that the Prophet has. He's the arm of the Prophet and they started to despise him for that. These factors all later would make people abandon Imam Ali Jealousy and also the hatred of the Meccans to him. So now the Prophet he's on his way back to Medina from bed. He dispatches Abdullah ibn Rawaha and Zayd ibn al-Haratha to inform the people of Medina that we won the battle. So they enter the city of Medina, people are sitting, We've got news. These big guys of Quraysh have been killed. Allah has given us victory. The hypocrites in Medina and also the Jews, they couldn't believe the news. They told him, you're, you're joking. This is not possible. And they negated the news. They're like, no, 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 don't listen to these crazy Muslims. It's impossible. How could they win a battle like that? But then news started coming that in fact, the Muslims achieved victory. So those who did not like the Prophet, this was the worst news, this was their worst nightmare to hear that the Prophet has achieved such an amazing, amazing victory. The Meccans now come to know about their humiliating loss. Basically, Haysaman al-Khaza'i, he was the first to enter Mecca and inform them of what happened at Badr. They told him, what's the matter Haysaman? What news do you have for us? He told them, Qutla Utba ibn Rabi'ah, wa Shayba ibn Rabi'ah, wa Abu al-Hakam, wa Umayyah, wa Zam'ah, wa Fulan, wa Fulan, wa Fulan. And he started mentioning the warriors of Quraysh. This was so shocking to the people of Mecca, such that Safwan ibn Umayyah, he had not gone to the battle. He was sitting in Hijr Ismail right by the Kaaba and when he heard this news, he told them, let's see if this guy is insane or he's sane. I don't think he knows what he's saying. This is impossible. What do you mean all these warriors got killed? So ask him, ask him a question. Let's see if he just, if he knows what he's saying. So they asked Al-Haysaman, ma fa'ala Safwan? Where is Safwan? He told them, Safwan is here sitting in the Hajar and I have news for him. I swear by God, I saw his father and brother when they were killed at Badr. So this was a big blow to the people of Mecca. Now Abu Rafi', the slave of Al-Abbas, the servant of Al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet. Remember what happened to the uncle of the Prophet Abbas in this battle? He got he, no, he didn't get killed. Abbas the uncle of the Prophet. He was captured as a prisoner of war, then the Prophet released him. Now he had a servant by the name of 
Abu Rafa. Abu Rafa, according to one hadith, he says, when I heard that new, the news inside my heart, I became so happy that the Prophet achieved victory. Because Abu Rafa says, we, meaning himself, Al-Abbas, and the wife of Al-Abbas, Umm Al-Fadl, he says, we were believers in Islam, but we did basically taqiyya. We did not want the Meccans to know, but in our hearts, we were Muslims. So we were so happy, so happy that the Prophet achieved victory. Then he narrates an interesting incident. He says Abu Sufyan, when he heard, uh, you know, the what happened at, at the battle, basically he told his nephew, tell me, ex exactly tell me what happened in that battle. So his nephew is telling him what happened at the battle of Bad. He says, I don't know what happened. But basically, suddenly we saw the Muslims killing us left and right. They started holding us captives. And I even saw heavenly figures fighting from above us, supporting the Muslims. <laughs> Abu Rafi, he says, I couldn't control myself anymore. I told him, I swear by God, those were the angels. He's like... Afwan, not, uh, not Abu Sufyan, uh, Abu Lahab, Abu Lahab, Abu Sufyan, he participated at, at, at Battle of Bad. Abu Lahab, he asked his nephew, his nephew, the name of his nephew is Abu Sufyan. Abu Lahab said, because remember, Abu Lahab chickened out. He didn't want to go to the battle. He stayed behind and he paid 4,000 dirhams to someone to go. So Abu Lahab is telling his nephew, tell me what happened at Bad. So he's telling him that these heavenly figures were fighting. So Abu Rafi says, I came in the presence of Abu Lahab. I, says, I said, I swear to God, these were the angels. He's like, Abu Lahab got so upset that I said that. He came and he beat me. Remember the story? Let's elaborate on it. So he beat Abu Rafi, the slave of Abbas. Umm al-Fadl, the wife of al-Abbas, she was so furious that Abu Lahab harassed Abu Rafi like that, their servant. So she got up and she dealt a blow to his head. She hit Abu Lahab on his head. Now remember Abu Lahab is the, her brother-in-law, because she's the wife of Abbas. Abu Lahab is the brother of Abbas, they're the uncles of the Prophet. So basically she hit him and she told him, how dare you hurt him? Would you dare do that if Abbas was present? Now that Abbas is not present, you have the audacity to hit his servant. When Abu Lahab got struck by Umm al-Fadl, number one, and number two, when he heard that these heavenly bodies somehow supported the Muslims, he was so fear-stricken, he started to shake uncontrollably. Seven days later, he died, and we talked about how he died, if you remember. So this was the end of... Uh, you know, Abu, Abu Lahab. Now the spreading of the news of the death of 70 persons from amongst the dear ones of Quraysh really caused, you know, this anger in the hearts of the Meccans. How could this happen? So do you know what Abu Sufyan did? Look, his, look at his evil tactic. In order to keep Quraysh in the state of anger and to feel that indignation and humiliation, and to be sure that everyone in Mecca wants to seek the revenge from the Prophet and the Muslims. The Meccans, under the leadership of Abu Sufyan, they banned anyone in Mecca from mourning their dead. 
It's completely banned to cry for the dead. You can't cry. Is that what uh, extremists do now? Uh, what are they, I don't know what they're called. But Some extremists do that because that creates revenge. Exactly. See, when you when you cry, that kind of releases your emotions, right? It relieves you. But when you're not allowed to cry or mourn your dead, that builds up the resentment and the anger. So basically, Abu Sufyan said, no family, no one here in Quraysh is allowed to cry and mourn their dead until we see the destruction of Muhammad And you know what he did? He says, I myself, I've made an oath with God that I should not sleep with any woman until I seek revenge, my, seek my revenge from Muhammad And that was just to, you know, arouse that manly anger in himself. History tells us about an interesting incident that happened here. Al-Aswad ibn al-Muttalib, he felt really strong indignation because three of his sons were killed at bed. And remember, he's not allowed to mourn them, cry for them. They're his sons and this was really difficult for him. So one day he was passing by and he heard the wailings of a woman. So he was pleased and he thought that the ban on crying was over. Now we're allowed to cry. So he sent someone to verify whether this was the case, you know, has Abu Sufyan lifted the ban on crying? So when he sent someone to investigate, he came back and he told them, look, I've got bad news for you. The results of the investigation is that this poor woman, she lost her camel and so she's crying over her camel and that does not include the conditions of Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan said, you, can't, you cannot cry over the dead ones of bed, but you can cry on anything else like a camel dying. Abu Aswad, Al-Aswad, he felt so hurt he said two beautiful lines in poetry. The English translation is, is she crying for her lost camel? And does she keep awake during nights for having lost it? No, it is not proper at this moment that she should cry for her camel. Rather, it is necessary that she should weep for those who have been killed and with, and with whose death, joy, honor and glory have also been lost. He just couldn't take it anymore. It's like, look at where we've come to. She's allowed to cry on her camel, I'm not allowed to cry on my sons. But this was very effective by the way. This is one reason why the pagans at Uhud were so strong because that revenge was building up inside them.